Welcome to the Next Level Woman podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Hart, the results manifestation coach for women. I am on a mission to help them just like you to break through your limiting beliefs, your old programming and paradigms to truly manifest a life that you want, not what everyone else in your world and in society tells you that you should have, but what you want. You are in for such a treat because what we're going to be doing in this show is to help you unlock the secrets to manifest in that life. Where those secrets exist, they exist in your mind. And our goal through these episodes is to really help you unlock the secrets to take your life to the next level to manifest a life that you love. So whether you want more money, more freedom, to have more impact, better relationships, you want better health, happiness, whatever your goal is, we are here to support you in achieving it. Tune in to this podcast every single week like it's your job, because I promise you, it's going to create massive change in your life. So let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to this episode of Next Level Woman. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Hart. And today I have Suzanne Peterson. And you're going to love her. Her story is very, very inspiring. Suzanne and I crossed paths a few years ago. We were both still trying to figure a few things out. And wow, we've both come a long way. And I'll tell you what I know. I'm not going to read her bio like I normally do. Uh, What I know is her story is very inspiring and people seek her out for her to tell her story. So we're going to have the privilege of hearing it here today. Her story has led her to now be living an absolute dream life in Hawaii. So right there in paradise, but it's not just that, it's the whole package. So I'm excited for you to roll this out for us. So Suzanne, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for this privilege and honor. I really appreciate it. Yes, it's very exciting. So tell us your story, wherever you'd like to start. Well, I think the best thing I can do is um, kind of start when you and I met. Okay. And I was, uh, it was a few years ago, probably three, four years ago. And I was in a job that was just taking every bit of me. And I was doing the best that I could. I was supporting my team and trying to protect them from all the toxicity of where we were, be successful. And it was absolutely killing me. And then COVID happened. So what was bad became absolutely unbearable. So uh, we were working in this this very high-paced, high-stress, worked comp, urgent care kind of a clinic, COVID happened and we didn't have anything we needed. We were sure we were going to get sick and die. And we were being really mistreated by our leaders. And in the middle of the pandemic, I I was emotionally exhausted. I had done everything I could do every night to try and prop myself up to go back in and do it some more tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, I would 
do self-care. I would read, I would go to meetings, I would meet with other women, I would write, I would do everything I could to build myself up again to be torn down again tomorrow tomorrow. So I went to Mexico out of the pandemic. I remember that. Yes. 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 You, yes. Because I asked you about that. And that's when everything changed for me. Mm-hmm. I went to Mexico by myself, cried on the beach for two weeks and had a defining moment. I cannot do this anymore. Cannot. And you had asked me years prior, because you wanted me to get out of there as well. How can I help you? What would you do? Let's do that. And I, I just, I, I got nothing. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. for so many years, single mom, you know, nose to the grindstone, just doing what I had to do and, and dreaming. Dreaming doesn't happen for me. So I'm sitting there and I'm just utterly emotionally exhausted and and sobbing. And I thought, okay, okay, universe, people tell me, put it out there. Feel like I've been putting it out there, but I'm really putting it out there this time. And what would you do? And I said, okay, I want to live in a climate that makes me feel good. I was living in Portland, Oregon. Seasonal affective disorder is legit. I was on all kinds of antidepressant medications. And when I go on vacation, I feel alive. And I thought, how can I get to a climate where I feel like that? Mm -hmm. How can I do work that doesn't take from me, but rather feeds me, feeds my soul that I'm passionate about? So two things came to mind. I want to write a book and I want to work in addiction recovery. I want women in healing their lives. So I don't know what that's going to look like universe, but that's what I want. So I came back to my job. I, I started my blog right on the beach in Hawaii, or in Mexico, excuse me. And I remember asking a bunch of women, so if I were to start writing, would any of you be interested? They're like, yes. And I said, isn't it just a smidge self-indulgent? No. <laughs> Other people need to hear your voice. And so I true. thought, I'm going to be brave. I'm scared to death, but I'm going to be brave. So I started writing. I started you know, getting some really positive feedback, came back to my job, started looking for jobs. And I looked for the same job, lateral job in the same community. But then I had this little wild card search that was either writer or recovery or addiction. And Florida, California, Arizona, Hawaii was never in the mix. And One day I was angry on my lunch hour at work and I was surfing jobs and this job popped up for an operations director in Hawaii at an eight bed residential high-end addiction treatment center. And I went, well, that's interesting. I am not qualified for this. We want a master's. We want, you know, decades of experience. I'm like, I have none of that. 
I know I can do it in spades. So I kind of rage applied. I love it. <laughs> it's like, screw you, quick. And Indeed pops up and says, looks like you're missing some qualifications. Would you like to add a cover letter? I'm like, I don't have a chance in hell. No, click. <laughs> and laughed about it. I'm like, and I, I instant messaged one of my peers and said, you're not going to believe what I just did. I applied for this crazy job in Hawaii. And we laughed. <laughs> Three hours later, I get a phone call for an interview. Oh, gives me chills. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And that entire process, there were six or seven interviews, a few online assessments. You know, it was, it was a very long process. Every step of the way was an exercise in doing it scary. I am terrified of this, but I really, really want it, but I'm so scared. And so every time they call, yeah, we'd like to speak to you again. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I just very incrementally walked my way through this terrifying process mm -hmm. and trying to quiet the voices in my head that were equally you can't do this and you absolutely could nail this you know balancing that whole conversation trusting which is not something i do and just taking one more step and see what happens one more step be open one more step let go of the outcome and mm -hmm. As it started becoming clear that I might be considered for this job, and then it was a whole other array of what now? Moving across the ocean by myself? How do you do that? I mean, it was just, and then the next huge lesson was let idea that I have to do this by myself that I I can pack I can figure this out I can ship my stuff I I, I got this it may kill me <laughs> <laughs> I can do it and somebody said to me Suzanne I know you're extremely capable but wouldn't it be easier if you had help and I started crying because I don't ask mm -hmm. And I surely don't accept. And so this woman, she said, what's your address? I'm coming over. I have boxes. And I'm like, nobody comes to my house. That's not a thing. <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking around at all these boxes and piles and crazy. And I, I just, a voice that didn't come from me said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> brought her son they're like okay this is going to goodwill and we're packing this and we're doing that and I'm just in a puddle crying on the floor because I'm so honored mm -hmm. and from there I had this entire community of women are like what do you need I can do this I can do that I can do this and everything in my life shifted to what's possible and 
get over yourself and you can do it scared because I love that years the mantra was it was kind of a get out of jail free card I'm afraid oh okay then you don't have to do it and someone very wise said to me so do it scared I'm like that's not possible it actually is I'm going to set this fear over here and I'm going to keep taking action and I got the job I moved to Hawaii it's amazing I'm operations director at at the exclusive Hawaii, which, as I mentioned, is an eight-bed residential high-end addiction rehab center. I run the show. I've got 30 employees. I live in paradise. And since then, even more has happened. Even more. I'm dating a man. That's awesome. Done that in 13 years. You invited me to do this, which is, which is such an honor. I've been interviewed recently by a young woman who's getting her master's in social work and she's using my story as a case study. It's like, right. All these things are just, I am riding this wave. But to understand what a big deal that is, you got to know where I came from. Mm -hmm. So how far back, how far back? Well, you know, don't hold back. What do you think were some really pivotal influences well I suppose we need to go all the way back to you know when I was a kid and um, my childhood life was scary and traumatic and horrible you know and when you're in it you don't know that it's just what you know your sisters are having the same experience you know it's when you live in that kind of environment, you know, we didn't socialize with people. So we didn't have any comparison of, oh, this is what normal looks like. So house burning down and mother having DTs and father passed out on the floor and my sister trying to shoot somebody when she was seven. I mean, it's just like really horrific. We were scared. We were dirty. We were not fed. We were not taken care of in any way, shape, or form. The, in the most basic of ways. And, you know, the, the adults in my life at that time say to me now, it's a miracle you girls lived through it. Much less be equipped to, to, you know, navigate through adult life, get a job, keep a house, have a relationship. Mm-hmm. We were damaged girls. And I spent my entire life continue healing and recovering from that. Right. Um, I'll tell you what what's different. And I was talking about this last night. Is you know when I was about eighteen, nineteen, I remember thinking, okay, I have been a victim. That is over. I'm an adult. This is not going to define me. I'm going to do what I got to do to have the life I want to have. And so I, I began counseling. I began all kinds of things. Did something happen to make you decide that? I like was, a last straw kind of thing? No, no. It was more age. It was I'm out of that house. And um, I see. 
you know, my mom had threatened suicide a bunch of times. You know, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. And I mean, I had to figure out a way I was not put on this earth to keep her alive. I had to figure out a way to detach from her and try to build some sort of a life for myself. Was I successful? Not really. (laughs) I mean, you know, it took a lot of years. And so I, I got married when I was 26 to a man that I thought was pretty cool. And he, he was a nice enough guy, but really bad match. And because of my background, I didn't know how to do relationships. I didn't know how, how to access my feelings, much less put a voice to them. Right. I was a people pleaser. And, you know, my role in my family of origin was peacekeeper. If I just do this, they won't fight. If I just do that, they won't win. And so in my marriage, it was like, well, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Even though all these things were happening, I'm like, this doesn't feel very good to me. It's okay, he's a really nice man. And so I overlooked instead of saying, you know, I'm not okay with this. And so that marriage destroyed me in a very different way. I came out of it with battered women syndrome, even though he had never touched me. And I there are different kinds of abuse, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I I remember wishing he would just punch me in the face so I would have a black eye so people would understand because our life looked perfect. And I remember sitting on a psychiatrist's couch just sobbing saying, what is wrong with me? I have this gorgeous man for a husband. He works hard. He doesn't cheat on me. He earns a pile of money i don't have to work i have this healthy baby i mean we have all the trappings everything i ever thought i wanted and i wanted to put a bullet in my head and it was hard to wrap my mind around that about Mm -hmm. what are you entitled what 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 is wrong with you that you're miserable and you check all the boxes in life made me feel crazy so you know, was that was that therapist good at helping you then to to understand what was going on, or did you have to go uh, through a few? I went through. I went through a lot. Mm-hmm. I went through a lot, and you know, picked up little tricks here and there. But you know, therapy's changed dramatically since then. Mm-hmm. You know, therapy then was I was born on a Tuesday, and my mother, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's not a lot of help it's just someone that listens to your story which is not productive mm-hmm. so right in that time period my father committed suicide and you know my mother always threatened my father I always thought he was a stable parent and he had quit drinking and he had gotten his life together and after 17 years of sobriety he killed himself and he drank the day he died. Wow. And that was like, whoa, suffering in silence. Nobody knew. He just vaporized. And that contributed to the end of my marriage because I thought, I'm not doing this. 
I am not doing this. I'm 30, about 32 when things really started falling apart in a big way in my marriage. And, um, you know, when you, when you talk about what challenges have I overcome? So there's, there's two parts. Uh-huh. There's the old time, you know, when I was a kid and, and the things that happened to me. And then there was the choices I made as an adult that were self-destructive and awful. And I did that for a lot of years too. I drank, I was promiscuous. I, I just was running in every way you could run. And that was hard. That was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard for those that loved me to watch. But, you know, lots of therapy, always this, this, tenacity this determination and it was this combination i i always used to say i am the most hopeless hopeful person you will ever meet because i don't believe anybody about anything ever except this one time it's going to be different and then it's not when i see see but then i try again and i don't know what this this spirit in me is that pushes me to just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, You're certainly resilient, right? Don't you think? I do, but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. You know, severe depression. You know, depression that, that has, I mean, I was this close to getting ECT because there wasn't enough medication on the planet. I've tried them all. I've tried every combination. I've tried the sad light. I tried exercise. I tried everything. And, you know, that was part of the frustration, too. It's like, I'm doing all the things. Right. I see a psychiatrist once a week. I see a psychologist once a week. I'm taking all these meds. I'm going to AA meetings. I'm sponsoring people. I'm doing all the things. And I just want to die. So. I can say that probably the biggest thing, two things changed my life in a big way. I hooked up with this woman who um, is a psychologist and she, I said to her, I'm so done with therapy. I am done with therapy. Well, obviously not because I called her, but (laughs) (laughs) I said, I'm not telling you my story. I'm over it. There, there may be some information in mind there, but here's what's in my way today. I need concrete strategies and tools about what's going on right now. You know, I don't need to dissect the past. And she said, okay. And she had all the things that I wanted, women's issues, body issues, addiction, trauma, you know, all the things. And then I said, um, or then the other thing that she offered that I had never heard of was EMDR therapy. Sure. Uh Never heard of it. And she said, are you willing to try it? And I didn't even research it. And I was super scared. I'm like, well, what are you going to do to me? Are you going to like inject me with stuff? Or, you you know, what are you going to do to me? I think I'm in, but. (laughs) And that was a game changer in terms of resolving trauma. 
and what we focus on with shame. And, you know, the first experience I had, she explained how this worked and how it rewired the brain and, and how, how the whole thing worked. And so she asked me to remember as far back as I could to the juiciest memory where I felt shame and really immerse myself in the experience. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you feel? Be in it. And what happened is when I did that, every single time I felt that way in my life appeared like a slideshow. Bang, 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 bang. And we did that probably four or five times in total. And what it did for me is the memories exist, but the juice is gone. I don't re-experience the shame. I don't feel the shame back just come over me. I'm like, yeah, it happened and it was awful. And it put it in, in its place. That was a game changer. I've heard that before from other people with PTSD, for instance. Yep. And that's what I have PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, lots of trauma, lots of PTSD. And couldn't get away from it. That happened. And then I, I connected with a woman who sponsored me in Al-Anon. And it, it's a different kind of a way of doing it. And it's, it's a double winner. So it's alcoholic women who struggle with Al-Anon issues. And for me, my drinking career was about four years late in life. Most alcoholics start, you know, 12, 13, they drink forever. Mine was all tied to, I don't know how to do relationships. I don't know how to say no. I don't know how to suggest and mean it. I don't know how to access what's true for me, much less give a voice to it and not take care of your feelings. <laughs> I didn't have boundaries. I didn't know any of those. So she and I went through this book. It's a workbook and it took me a year. And it's questions. That's all it is, is topical. Love, intimacy, finances, guilt, responsibility, shame, all of these concepts. And it really helped me define who I am. How do you feel about this? How did you feel about it then? What did your family of origin teach you about this? Where are you now? And, it, and once I could define my core beliefs, then I could use those as a choice. Does this choice or this decision or this behavior take me closer to the person I want to be or further from it? So step one was, who are you? Figure mm -hmm. that out. This was a, your sponsor in the Al-Anon. You know, let's turn off our videos. Maybe that's what I'm hearing. Maybe it's a little buffering. Okay. Because I really want us to hear this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So that was a, a workbook that you went through over a period of time with your sponsor from Al-Anon. Uh... That sounds pretty powerful. I've never heard of that. Is that a, um, I've heard of Al-Anon, but is that something... Like if that sounded interesting to people, would they be able to experience that also if they sought that out? Or is this something just for that one person? No, you can buy the book on Amazon. It's called Blueprint for Progress. 
you can do it by yourself. It's better if you do it with someone. And it's questions, as I mentioned, and and they're they're divided in, into topics by chapter. And you know, you, you're gonna get as much out of it as you choose, but I chose to take a deep dive. And so I would write because that's my way of processing. Uh-huh. I would I would go through these questions and I would write my thoughts. And then I would discuss them with my sponsor. You could certainly do it by yourself, but it's it's not anything proprietary. Buy it on Amazon. And I think everyone on the planet could benefit from doing it. Uh-huh. It doesn't really have anything to do with addiction per se. You know, it's codependency, it's enmeshment, it's defining core values. And like I say, really giving you a roadmap to use when crafting your life. That's wonderful. It's amazing. And since then, I have four women that I work with. Uh And these women couldn't stop drinking and save their lives. I, when I started Blueprint for Progress, I was 11 years sober and miserable. And I thought, this is bullshit. You all promised when I quit drinking and I did all the steps and did all the things, I was going to have this life. And that is not true for me. Mm-hmm. And then I embarked on this journey, and that was the game changer. The women that I worked with would say they had an amazing life, and then they would say, "I I only have seven days dry," and they were chronic relapsers. Uh-huh. And I said, "Well, let's do this because most of us have some sort of dysfunction in our family." relationships or friendships or what have you whether or not substances are involved we are not taught how to do relationships so everyone could benefit from going through this workbook and these women now that I work with have years of sobriety and happiness and peace and I don't measure success by the calendar I measure it by do you have what you want in life Do you have peace of mind? Are you happy, satisfied, fulfilled? Are you comfortable in your skin? Are you confident? Are you willing to push through fear? Are you brave? That's successful to me. I don't care about whether or not you drink or whether or not you have any time. Do you have Uh the life that you want? I think that's a valid way to assess it for sure. (laughs) Well, let's see. Here's one. Um, as you're walking around, you know, going through life, is there something you you think, if only women knew this, do you see a commonly repeated something you just wish they had a little bit more wisdom on or perspective on one thing that you could point out now that you'd like to share? Well, touched on it very briefly, is I had this prevailing attitude that things don't happen for me. They, they just don't. I can see them in other people. I don't win the lottery. I don't get the job. I don't get the man. I don't, I'm just a worker bee. And joy isn't really part of my life. And dreaming is not a luxury I can afford. And so, you know, what I would say to folks that are in the quagmire and can't find their way out is do not give up. 
you know, I'm 57 years old, and I was talking to my counselor the other night, and I said, same thing. This doesn't happen to me. And he said, it has been for the past year for you. And that shift of maybe it hasn't happened previously, but it absolutely could. Right. That, it, it's hard to articulate that in a way that I would have believed it. You know, I was very smug. I was like I mentioned, well, good for you. Glad you have everything you ever wanted. Good for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And tell me, I know, I mean, I have six kids and I'm a very different person now than I was when I had my first one. And, you know, even when the others were younger and they point that out to me and I've been with me the whole time. So (laughs) until they remind me, I don't realize that I am that different, but, but I try to live by example of the new me to have as much influence as I can in a good way on my, you know, my now adult children. Do you, I bet your daughter is just so, is she just thrilled? I mean, do you always share with her these, these things you learn or is it like, for me, it's, it's hard to be a prophet in your own land. So I get a lot of eye rolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a whole different journey. So because, because I had the parents that I had, who, by the way, you know, the story was tragic and awful but they were amazing people and they both turned their lives around and they were, they were both just, just incredible. So I don't want to characterize them as, as the villain here. They were doing the best they could with what they had and they were amazing folks. But I believe that Mm -hmm. having said that when I had a kid, none of that shit was going to happen to her period. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think we all as parents to do things differently and, and I sort of joke that you know there's not gonna be any generational mistakes here. I'm gonna make mistakes but different ones. Right. The choices I made with her was to put her first always, 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 and want for nothing to really take care of her, feed her, clean her, make sure she had clean clothes, love on her and provide her emotional safety and security so that she could go forward in the world, experiment, make mistakes, knowing that she had a safety net with me. Uh-huh. So that when she did launch, she had some experience under her belt that she didn't have to be paralyzed by fear like I was. Mm-hmm. And so she's now nearly 26. Um, and it's only been very recently that I've been open with her about a lot of my struggles. And even in that was a deliberate choice on my part. She's an adult now. I never badmouthed her father. She's going to figure out who he is on her own, and she deserves to have a relationship with him. But I did share how our marriage went and my part in the destruction of it. I shared with her a lot of my struggles after divorce for a couple of reasons. I wanted her to know that her mom wasn't perfect. And that she didn't have to be perfect either. Mm -hmm. As an only child, she has those tendencies. And I wanted to create a safe space for her that, look, there's a bit of good in the worst of us. And there's a bit of bad in the best of us. And you are defined by what you do when you struggle. By what you do when you make a mistake. It's not the mistake. It's how do you move forward from that. 
And I think she is really impressed with who I am and how I conduct myself and my authenticity. Uh-huh. I think she's really pretty proud that she has me for a mom. Um, As she should be. And you know, I'm, I'm starting to get there myself. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. It's about time. It's, it's about awesome. Time. Yeah. Oh, well, I, um, I, I just really appreciate you so much for coming on and sharing what is truly an inspiring story. And I'm glad that you're having such a, a great time right now and this time of your life. It sounds amazing. And I'm going to get that book. Um, and the reprint for progress. We'll put that in your blueprint for progress. Oh, blueprint. Oh, I'm glad I said that. Okay. Blueprint. Okay. Blueprint for progress. I'll put that in the show notes too. Perfect. So you could probably get on Amazon blueprint for progress. It's an Al-Anon four-step inventory, but I'm sure you'll find it if you just type in blueprint for progress. Okay. Now, I imagine there'll be some listeners who would like to follow you or contact you. How would you like for them to do that? Well, the coolest thing that I've been doing, and and this is interesting, is I, as I mentioned, I started a blog last year that I wrote for quite a bit. And then when I accepted this job was asked to take it down. So I did. And I only began writing again a few weeks ago, and that will never happen again. I will continue to write um and i think i think people will be inspired by the stories that i that i post and my blog is called musingsofmyworld.com and they can message me there or they could send me an email which is suzanne email and that is s-u-s-a-n-n-e he is in peter one, two, three, four at G. I would love, love, love for folks to reach out and tell more of my story, hear theirs. I really believe that my life purpose is to lift other women, inspire them, help them have the life that they want and, and let them know shame. There's no, there's no room for shame. There's no room for self-criticism or judgment or any of that. We are who we are. We got here how we did. Let's move on from here. I love it. Love it. Oh, okay. So hold on now. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us and check out the links in the show notes. And I love you and I'll see you next time. Hey, before you go, I hope that you loved this episode. I would love it if you could do me two quick favors. First, make sure to subscribe to Next Level Woman. That way, you will get notified when the new episodes are coming out. So definitely subscribe to follow us. The other thing that I would love for you to do is to join us in my Next Level Manifestation Facebook group. This is an awesome place off the podcast platform where you can ask questions. I do free trainings and share very helpful resources there too. You're going to love it. And it's a great place to also find other women who are going after big dreams and getting great results. 
Links are in the show notes or go to lisahart.com, L-I-E-S-A-H-A-R-T-E.com. 